I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me this morning to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Um, if you're looking in the Pew Bible, you should find it on page 598. Did I tell you I was going to preach on Psalm 46? Okay, okay. Um, I, I'm kind of calling it an audible today, and apparently the Spirit of God uh, sort of prompted me and Colby to go to the same passage of Scripture. Um, I had every intention this morning of preaching on uh, the Christian virtue of faithfulness, and I still plan on doing that sometime in the near future, Lord willing. Um, but uh, as this past week went on, I just had this increasingly uneasy feeling. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to sound too mystical. Um, I try not to let the news cycle dictate the preaching calendar, but all of this news about this pandemic uh, as the week went on just kind of seemed to be reaching a, a fever pitch. And I, I just felt like the Spirit of God was leading my heart away from preaching on our faithfulness instead uh, toward preaching on the faithfulness of God. So I opened my Bible to Psalm 46, and I began to read it, and I thought, yes, this is a word that we all need to hear right now. So that's what we're going to do together this morning. So let's read together in Psalm 46. We're going to read all the way through. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought, the, brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that when all around my soul gives way, you then are all my hope and stay. We thank you that your word is a firm foundation on which we can stand today. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that um, you would give us confidence through your word, not because of uh, anything in us, not because of our circumstances, but because of your character and your promise to be present with us in the midst of trouble. So, Lord, we pray that you would speak through your word. Spirit of God, we pray that you would move, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 46 is what some people call a psalm of confidence. It declares our confidence in the presence and power of God. It begins with this heading in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. And then it has a refrain. Notice that verse 7 and verse 11 are identical. They both say exactly the same thing. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
the God of Jacob is our fortress. God is um, with us, and he is our fortress. If you think of Psalm 46 as a song, which is what psalms are, they are poems that would have been set to music, that's the chorus of the song. The chorus of the song is, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And notice how personal that is. God is not just a refuge and strength. He's not just a fortress. He is our refuge and strength. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the the confidence that this psalm declares is not just because of who God is, not just that He is a refuge and strength and a fortress, but because of who He is for us and with us. He is our fortress. He is our refuge and strength. He is with us. And this confidence in God is especially critical in light of things that would otherwise tempt us to fear. That's what the psalm is about. Look at verse 2. Therefore, because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. One potential source of fear is nature. Sometimes it seems as if the earth itself is going to give way, and that's a terrifying thing because we're used to being able to stand somewhere and we count on the fact that the earth is going to stay there. And so if the earth starts giving way, everything we've sort of relied on our whole life suddenly gets tossed in the air. Tornadoes sweep through, and just like that, everything that we've counted on is gone. Hurricanes strike and blow away everything that we rely upon. Wildfires spread. Polar ice caps melt. And it's not just the big things that we can see. It's also the microscopic things that we can't see, at least not with a naked eye. It's the cancer that spreads inside someone's body, and yes, it's the virus that spreads in our community. So the the image that this psalm conveys is one of chaos, utter chaos. And if there's a word we could use to describe the past week, I think chaos is pretty good. Nature is not entirely predictable. This time last year, I don't know about y'all, but I'd never heard of COVID-19. There were apparently, you know, some scientists who kind of thought that maybe there was danger of something like this happening, but nobody knew exactly when or where it might happen, when or where it might begin. Now, almost everything in the news is filtered through it. I mean, we can't even watch March Madness or anything like that. So who's to say what the next crisis will be? That, that's kind of one of the things that the psalm points us to is it's not just what's happening right now, but it's the uncertainty of, of what might happen. And the point is there are many reasons in nature why we might be tempted to fear. These are things that would and should naturally cause us to fear. You expect the earth to be stable, but what if it gives way? You expect to be able to go about your life and have everything stay normal, go to the grocery store and buy toilet paper, but what if things don't stay normal? What if you can't go buy the things that you expect to be able to buy? The psalm helps us to declare our confidence in God in the face of chaos and disruption. Even if creation itself is in disarray, even if the earth gives way 
and the mountains are shaken into the heart of the sea, even if a pandemic breaks out, we will not fear. That's what the psalm is calling us to do. Nature, however, is not the only potential source of fear. Look at verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Now, notice in verse 6 the word rage, the nations rage. It's the same word translated in verse 3 as roar. Verse 3 says, it's waters roar. Verse 6, the nations rage. Same word. It's this, it's this disruption, this turmoil, this chaos of whether it's creation or whether it's the nations being unsettled. And the word totter, the kingdoms totter. It's the same word that's used in verse 2 where it says, the mountain, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. It's this idea of something that we expect to be stable, but it gets shaken up. We don't expect to see mountains shake or be moved, and yet sometimes they do. And we expect that we look around the world and the, the way things are are the, thing, the way they always will be, but then sometimes things get shaken up. Both in nature and among the nations, there is this instability. It's not just hurricanes and viruses, it's also wars and stock market crashes. All around us are things that we can't always predict. And even when we can try to forecast what might happen, we can't always do anything to change it. So there is this chaos and disruption that would otherwise cause us to be afraid if it were not for the confidence that we can have in our God. Right now, in the midst of this pandemic, we're seeing, as it were, the collision of those two potential sources of fear, nature and the nations. Everything seems to be in total chaos. And we don't know what this virus is going to do, and we don't know what our, our government's going to do or what other governments are going to do, that sort of thing. So the point of the psalm is not to downplay how scary those things can be, but to say that we have a reason for confidence in the midst of that chaos. Why? What is the reason for our confidence? What is the reason we do not fear? What I want you to see is this psalm does not give us a promise that we will be absent of all trouble. The reason we do not fear is not because trouble always is absent, but because our God is always present. Saying that God is a refuge does not mean that He will shield us from all sickness, for example. It means that we are always able to say, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And here in Psalm 46, notice what verse 1 does not say. It does not say, God is a very present help who keeps us from trouble. It says, God is a very present help in trouble. In the midst of trouble, that is when he proves to be a refuge and strength. In the midst of trouble, that is when he proves to be a very present help. And it is, in fact, the trouble that makes his help all the more valuable. It is, in fact, the trouble that enables me to see how great of a refuge and strength he is. And the psalm points our attention not only to the fact of 
God's presence with us, but also to the truth of His character for us. Notice again that refrain in verse 7 and verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What Psalm 46 does is it gives us confidence not only by reminding us that God is with us, not only that He is our fortress, it reminds us that the one who is with us is the Lord of hosts. The one who is our fortress is the God of Jacob. Two titles that this psalm uses for God, Lord of hosts and God of Jacob. It would be easy, really easy for us to just kind of rush past those two titles and focus on the, the things like him saying he's with us and he's our fortress. But what is God telling us about himself when he says, I am the Lord of hosts and I am the God of Jacob? What does it mean that God is the Lord of hosts? The word hosts is a Hebrew way of referring to armies, especially to armies of angels. There is this understanding in the Old Testament that even though we walk around and, and we can't see them, that everywhere around us there are angels who are present. And God is the commander of them, which means that He does not rely on them to, to do His will, but that He is supremely powerful. He is supremely sovereign and authoritative over them. To say that He is the Lord of hosts is to remind us that He is the one in whom there is unparalleled strength and power at His disposal that He is able to wield on our behalf. He is strong. That's what the title Lord of hosts says to us. What about the title God of Jacob? Well, who, who is Jacob? That's kind of the important question here. We sometimes make the mistake of treating human characters in the Bible as if they were the heroes of the story. Here's the problem. If you read about Jacob and you have any sense of just kind of fairness and you're not trying to read him through any kind of rose-colored glasses, what you find is jo Jacob was not what we would call a good person. Jacob was a conniving, selfish deceiver. In fact, the name Jacob basically means cheater. He, he lied to his parents. He stole from his brother Esau. And Esau, by the way, Jacob's brother, was the firstborn. He was rugged, hardworking. If God were going to say, okay, I'm going to make a nation of holy people from one of these two brothers, Jacob is not the obvious choice. Esau is, because Esau's the firstborn, he's rugged, hardworking, he seems to have some, some dignity about him, and yet before they were born, God said it's going to be Jacob. It's going to be Jacob. And so what that says to us, that, that throughout the Bible, the fact that God chose Jacob to be the father of Israel, not Esau, is a sign of God's unmerited grace. That's what the title God of Jacob reminds us of, God's unmerited grace towards sinners. Sometimes there are people in the world that we look at and we think, God has no business using that person, and yet that's the person he uses, like Jacob. God takes them. He doesn't leave them the way they are. He takes them and he transforms them. But the point is there is nobody who's worthy of his love, which is precisely why it's called grace. 
So when you put those two titles together, Lord of hosts and God of Jacob, the picture that you get is of a God who has unparalleled power and a God who gives unmerited grace. That is the God who is with us. And that is why we can have confidence in the face of things that would otherwise cause us to fear. Not because of our ability, not because of our holiness, not because we deserve anything, but because of His unparalleled power for us and His unmerited grace toward us. So how do we get this confidence? From where does it come? That too is a question that this psalm answers for us. And I just want to be very clear that the confidence that this, that this psalm declares is not a confidence that every human being can or should have. Not every person can say, God is my refuge and strength, because they haven't fled to Him to be their refuge and strength. Not everyone can say, the Lord of hosts is with me, the God of Jacob is my fortress, because He's not their God. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do we get this confidence? In the midst of chaos and turmoil, our confidence in God's power and grace comes from God's grace, which He declares to us through His Word. If, the nature, if nature and the nations are potential sources of fear, the Word of God is the source of our confidence in Him. So we've looked at that refrain in verse 7 and 11. Now, what I want you to do is I want you, in both cases, to jump back one verse. And we're going to look at verse 6 and verse 10 and see what comes right before that refrain. What comes right before that declaration of confidence? We'll start with verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. So four phrases, nations rage, kingdoms totter, the earth melts. And in the midst of all that chaos, God utters his voice. He speaks. He is, after all, the one who spoke it all into existence. He's the one who told the waters to move so that there would be dry land. He's the one who spoke the waters into existence in the first place. He's the one who spoke the mountains into existence in the first place. And so if he tells the waters to stop, they stop. If he tells the mountains to move, they move. And if he tells them to be still, they be still. So if the mountains move into the heart of the sea, if the earth gives way, all of that happens within the boundaries of his authority. And it is the uttering of his voice that leads us to say, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Now look down at verse 10. This is perhaps the most well-known verse from this psalm. Verse 6 says that the Lord utters His voice, and in verse 10 we hear what it is that He says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This whole psalm is, is us talking about God. But then there's this one verse where God speaks. And He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So, question. Where is there chaos? Where is there turmoil? Among the nations and through all the earth, right? 
We will not fear though the earth gives way. The nations rage. And then where does God say that he will be exalted? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's saying, I am going to be exalted in the very spheres of chaos where everything seems to be in turmoil, where everything seems to be turned upside down. That is where I'm going to be exalted. So how, how can we respond this morning? I want to encourage all of us to respond in at least three ways. First, before we can do anything else, we need to take to heart this command from the mouth of God where he says, be still and know that I am God. Now, uh, I've heard that verse used to mean, to to, to justify all kinds of things. Uh, Being still has nothing to do with taking a nap or, or going fishing or anything like that. Nothing wrong with taking naps, by the way. Uh, but that's not what Psalm 4610 is talking about. When God says, be still and know that I'm God, he, he's, he's saying, stop fighting. There is coming a day when everything and everyone in all creation is going to be subject to him. Notice what it says in verse 9. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. There's coming a day when all of the strife and all the turmoil in the world is going to stop because everything is going to be perfectly under his lordship. In the meantime, the command is be still. In other words, Don't wait for that day. Go ahead and stop fighting now. Stop trying to work to earn favor with God. Stop trying to live your life the way you want to live it. Instead, surrender to His Lordship. Be still and know that He is God. This is unspeakably important. You can only have confidence in the face of chaos and fear, if the Lord truly is your God. If He is not your God, then He is not your fortress. If you have not trusted in Him, then He is not for you a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And if He is not your fortress and your refuge and your strength, then you have every reason to panic right now. So we need to start by being still and making sure that He is indeed our God. Panic befits those who are not in that fortress. The second way that I want to encourage us to respond is by listening to the word of the Lord. Psalm 46 shows us the vital role that God's word plays in giving us confidence in the face of things that would otherwise cause us to fear. So in the midst of upheaval, God's word is a firm foundation. None of us knows exactly how things might change over the next few weeks and months. Um, I want to just encourage you, all truth is God's truth, okay? So what that means is we need to listen to to experts. Um, We don't have to be motivated by fear, but we should be driven by 
a love of God and of our neighbor. As Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, when I say to you, you need to listen to the word, I'm not making a false dichotomy and saying, you know, don't read the news, just read the Bible. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, don't read the news more than you listen to God's word. Don't listen to, you know, XYZ cable news person more than you listen to the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So by all means, keep a check on the news, but don't neglect the word of God. Hear it, read it, sing it. There is something about not just hearing truth, not just saying it, but there's something about singing it that is inherently an act of confidence. So find some good hymns, some good worship songs, and sing the truth of God's word. Um, we may have to get creative in the coming days about making some temporary compromises when it comes to how we gather together, but we cannot fail to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd, whether that means reading the Bible at home, hearing it in person here at church, or hearing it together on some kind of live stream or, or whatever kind of other solutions we can come up with. I said earlier this morning in our Sunday school hour that Colby and I are going to make every effort to maintain a ministry of prayer and the word, but as always, it's up to you to make use of that ministry. So just like, you know, we can, we can craft sermons and Bible studies and all kind of thing, but if you don't come listen to them, then they don't do you any good. The same goes for if we have to send CDs to people or if we have to do things on Facebook. We can put all that work into it, but if you don't make use of it, then then it doesn't really do you any good. So let's all continue listening to the word of our good shepherd during this time. The third way that I want to encourage us to respond this morning is by taking the promises of Psalm 46 and making them our prayer. Take the promises of Psalm 46 and make them your prayer. And you can do this with, with any portion of God's word, but since we're in Psalm 46 this morning, uh, that's what I want to encourage you to do. That's what Psalm 57 does. Psalm 57, 6 says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So take God's promises and turn them into prayers. God says, I will be exalted. So we can pray, Lord, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Be exalted, O God, among the nations. Be exalted in our church be exalted in our community, be exalted in our homes. We want your glory to be magnified. We want you to be seen as worthy. We want you to be exalted. I pray that that would be the earnest desire of our hearts and the driving motive of all that we do. I want you to look with me as we close this morning at, at verses 4 and 5. There is right at the heart of this psalm where all of this turmoil there is this picture of serenity and peace and certainty verse 4 says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the most high God is in the midst of her she shall not be moved God will help her when morning dawns now 
long story short, uh, the way that we interpret that in light of the New Testament is that, that that is a promise for the church. That's a promise for the people of God, that in the midst of all the chaos in nature and among the nations, God's people shall not be moved because God is in their midst. So what I want to say to you this morning is that the church, and I don't just mean this institution, but I mean the people of God, people who've trusted in Christ, we have a tremendous opportunity before us to demonstrate genuine love for our neighbor and also to demonstrate genuine confidence in our God. There are lots of people who are afraid right now, and that's understandable. But if you are in Christ, not only do you not have to be afraid, but you also have hope to offer those who are afraid. You have hope that you can speak to someone who is afraid, who is uncertain, and you can say to them, I'm not worried. And the reason I'm not worried, I'm not saying that I'm not going to get it. I might get it. I'm not worried because I have full confidence in the government or healthcare system or anything like that. I'm not worried because I have full confidence in my God. Not that he's going to protect me from it, but that he's going to be with me in the middle of it. And that the very worst thing that could happen to me is that I would die. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So may God be exalted in our hearts, in our words, in our actions, and in our world. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in just a moment. This is our opportunity to respond to God's word. We're going to sing uh, a hymn that, that, uh, that we love here at our church in Christ alone. We're going to sing all four verses because uh, in Christ alone is a song of confidence. Psalm 46 is a psalm of confidence, and this song is a song of confidence. And so I want to encourage you as we sing uh, to make this your prayer, to be able to say this with all your heart. Uh, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that your word is a firm foundation in the midst of chaos and turmoil and upheaval all around. That you, Lord Jesus, you are a firm and steady anchor for the soul. God, I thank you that we have every reason to trust in you because you are faithful. You are sure and true and you will not forsake us. God, I pray that you would help us in the coming days to, to have wisdom, to have a genuine love for one another, and God, that we would, uh, above all, have a genuine faith in you, and that we would trust that you are good, and that all you do is good. Lord, now as we sing, I pray that you would help us to sing with joy and confidence that our hope is in Christ alone. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.